Welcome to the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. I'm Lee Gerstman, and I was banned from this podcast, and I'm not too happy about it. So, fuck these guys. Go to hell. So, here they are. Dr. Fuck and Wadzilla. Enjoy. I know I will, even if they did ban me. Fucking assholes. Hey, it's Dr. Fucking with me is. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'm total alcoholic and wildly. How you doing, Ian? I'm here, man. I'm drinking. I'm what, good. What's shaking? What's shaking and baking? Uh, I don't know. But I'm here. I'm Great. ready to record. Great answer. Hey, yes. what's, what's up? iTunes reviews? I, uh, yeah, not, not one I want to read. <laughs> oh, a bad one, huh? No, no, no. I no. I'll, I'll read bad ones. Just one I don't care about. I'll tell you about it off air, though. <laughs> really? Yeah. All right. Go check out that iTunes review, everybody. <laughs> uh, but before we get into the news, uh, I just want to say uh, Merry Christmas, uh, Merry Kwanzaa, Happy Hanukkah, uh, Happy Holidays to everybody. And uh, you'll probably be hearing this around New Year's. And Happy Lemmy Day. Yes. So, uh, hey. All right, everyone. And uh, I just want to say thank you, too, again. I've been getting, like, tremendous fucking uh, messages while I'm on my social media hiatus. And, uh, you know, I, I, I have read a few things here or there. And uh, I just want to say thank you to everybody. Some very nice messages that are very encouraging. And uh, very nice means a lot. So thank you. Thanks, Happy- everybody. Happy New Year! All right, well, fuck it. Let's get into the news. What's going uh, on? Oh God, what, what what a what a horrible week in the news. It's uh, it's kind of depressing. I don't know if it's a slow news week because it's like the end of the year, you know, and not a lot of shit going on. There's just like no bands that we give a shit about doing anything. Because uh, there's not a lot, so we're going to have to elaborate here. And, and just to show you what a slow news week it is, <laughs> this first story is about Chris Jericho and Fozzie. Oh, my God. This guy is like the new Paul Stanley of just saying dumb shit. <laughs> yeah, no shit. Uh, his latest quote is, <laughs> says, Judas has become Fozzie's inner Sandman. Or you shook me all night long. Uh, which I, I agree with half of that. Half of mine says, no, it's not an iconic song. But the other half says, you're damn right. I never want to hear it again. <laughs> have, have you heard this song, Judas, that he's been going on and on about for like two years now? Yeah, and I actually, I actually did watch the video. Because, you know, actually... Hey, man, uh, you know, say what you want about Jericho, but he talked about the song so much, it made me go see it. Like, Let me go see this fucking song. And, and the video is pretty uh, wild because the video is like one shot. You saw the video, right? No. Well, it's him singing, and there's a bunch of shit going on behind him, so you know there's no editing. Right. You know who also did that was, remember Garden of Eden? Garden yeah. yeah, 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 with same, the bouncing ball. Same exact thing. He's in the front and all that shit going on in the back with the band playing. And then he did a follow-up video. 
Oh, God. Uh, where it was the same thing, except outside. He's walking outside with a bunch of shit going on. But, yeah, um, uh, I, you know what, dude? I, I don't like the song. I ain't going to say nothing. You know, I will say something positive about the song. It does sound like all those shitty songs that are popular. So he's got that niche, you know, like, like you know, the modern Godsmack type hits, you know what I mean? Right. Even though, even though it doesn't sound like Godsmack, but you know what I'm trying to say. Yeah, yeah, exactly. No, it, it's radio rock. Yeah, it's radio friendly, and it's of the time, so, you know. But yeah, he is funny, man. And I don't know if you know this, but there's now controversy that he's lip syncing. Really? Yep, and I saw live footage as an outdoor daytime show. Oh, yeah, it looked like it to me. But, uh, no, nah, it's a shame he's fucking lip-syncing now, too, because, you know, I, I mentioned it before. I'm in the MTV special for Fozzie twice. You know, I got on stage and shit with him. And it was a fun show, but that's back when Fozzie was doing, like, all covers and shit like that. And uh, there was no lip-syncing at that show, and it was a lot of fun. And I miss that era of Fozzie. It's when he tried to get serious uh that i checked out <laughs> like seriously you can't write a good song but you know I, I love his passion i know he loves this music and and so you know i get all that shit but a song like judas is just oh i never saw the video i think i heard the link where before the video even came out and he, he was fucking sucking its dick back then and i was like oh man yeah, no. And, and, and like an interview, he's like, yeah, it was number one on the charts. He, he fails to say it was number one, like, on the rock charts or something. You know, it's not number one on the actual charts. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But he doesn't and, mention that. He doesn't he goes, yeah, we were number one on the charts. But what charts was that, Jerry? And, and, and that's, that's something to say. You know, the actual charts is the Billboard Top 200. Right. You know, that's the real shit. You know, if you're on the rock chart, or the you know, that's like saying... That's like saying, ooh, uh, I, I got a number one record this week. It doesn't mean what it used to mean. You know, that's, you know, the rock chart. You know, what are you battling against? Breaking Benjamin, you know, and fucking uh, Good Charlotte, you know. That don't mean shit to me. Let me it put don't, it this way. It don't mean spit to me. It, oh, God. <laughs> that's going out to you, Kistner. All right, well, here's another new band, and I know you made a video about these guys, but uh, I, I have not yet seen that video. But uh, Greta Van Fleet is holding a canned food drive during Detroit concerts, and and, and that's an admirable yeah, thing. Yeah, that's nice, you know? Yeah. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard, like, one Greta Van Fleet song. I've heard so much hate about these guys, so much hate about them. And I only heard one song. Couldn't tell you the fucking name of it. But it sounded like Led Zeppelin to me. Yeah, I heard bits and pieces. See, the thing is, I'm doing reaction videos now. And I know it's trendy and whatever the fuck. But the reason I'm doing reaction videos is because I, I like to be turned on to new shit. Uh, my guitar player wrote me the other day to um, uh, check out a band called uh, uh, Burning Burning the Witches. And I was like, holy, I, I was so impressed. I bought the vinyl, but the first CD is so expensive. That's why I asked Mr. X to get me it. Um, and I'm like, and then it dawned, you know, I was, I was watching some, you know, hip hoppers watch rap video. Uh, there's one, one hip hopper watching painkiller. <laughs> you should have seen the reaction. Like, Holy shit, man. Oh man. Yeah. He was freaking out. What's that singer's name? You know, but, um, I was like, man, I got to start, you know, I want to, yeah, you got to see it. It's fucking hilarious. He would stop it and start yelling. And then like the solos, he'd be like, woo, woo, woo. 
<laughs> no, I, I just love your black voice. That's awesome. <laughs> no, hey, that wasn't my black voice. I just played you a clip of him. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so so uh, so I thought, you know what, man? Look at these guys getting turned out to this shit. I want to get turned out. And look, I'm probably going to give spoiler alerts to people on my YouTube. But there's a band I've heard a lot about. And I saw their video back on Headbangers Ball years ago, and I didn't like it at all. So I never ventured to look into this band. And all I see, like 10, 20 years later, people keep talking about the band. Well, somebody requested me to watch a video. Dude, the band, and you, I'm sure you know them, they're called Clutch. You know? Yeah, Clutch. Love Clutch. Love Clutch. Dude, that song, uh, uh, something Easy Death in Texas or something, holy fuck was that good. Oh, now, they're a great band. Amazing! It was amazing. I gotta look more into them. And you know, I've been turned on to a couple other things too. And I'm like, wow, dude! So this is really fun. And then I got, you know, our buddy Abby and Hannah's dad. Yeah. He asked me to watch a Nina Hagen video. Remember her? Yeah. Holy shit! Was that terrible? <laughs> <laughs> so you know, it's, I'm having a lot of fun doing these, and I'm getting paid to do it because I'm like, hey, you motherfuckers, you know, hey, do this, do that. Hey, you want you want me to do it right away? Send me five bucks, and people are sending me money. And it's going to a worthy uh, cause. I'm sending all the money to my vinyl collection. Oh, nice. Yeah, to get more vinyl. So, nice. uh, yeah. So, so, keep donating so I can buy that clutch. <laughs> you know? That's anyway. how. Maybe, maybe Mr. X will send you all their albums for Christmas. Ooh. No, you, you already got me an album. Oh, oh, you mean Mr. X. Yeah, Mr. X. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, uh, so, so what, what do you think? Can you give a spoiler alert? Of yeah, it's already what up. What you think of this? It's, band? A, it's already up. Oh, look, I heard a little clips and pieces on the first album or EP, whatever it was. Right. And it was actually the great Mike Sears asked me to review their new song. And Mike don't like them. And, uh, but, he, you know, he thought, you know, watch it for a goof, you know? Yeah. Holy fuck, was that bad. I mean, I was like, all right, you know, the riff is kind of like, you know. Uh, a little bit of organic classic rock. I can get into it. Then when that guy opened his voice, I was like, holy fuck, what the hell? That shit was terrible, dude. I mean, I mean that guy, that guy grates on me. So, uh, yeah, it, it, it really was garbage. But, you know, as I said in my reaction video, hey, hopefully this will, you know, people that like it, uh, it'll be a gateway, you know, to them to discover, like, you know, other bands like Nazareth and Led Zeppelin, you know, and shit like that, you know what I mean? So uh, hopefully this, you know, that's the one good thing about I can say about Greta Van Fleet. At least they're playing like classic rock. You know, it's nothing to write home about. You know, the riff was like, you know, okay. It wasn't like terrible, but it wasn't like, you know, the fucking hair of the dog from Nazareth. You know what I'm saying, bro? Right. I mean, I, I've only heard one song and I thought it was all right. I mean, it sounded like total... Led Zeppelin ripoff, but you know what? I'd rather hear a Led Zeppelin ripoff these days than than hear what like Five Finger Death Punch or, or some or, shit or like Jesus. that. Yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Like, hey, you know, if you're gonna just blatantly rip something off, uh, at least it's something I like. Well, I I, I think they they sound a little bit more like Kingdom Come than Led Zeppelin. Oh, <laughs> but uh, hey, they're doing a food drive, so feed the good poor. For the, good for them, and they're young kids, you know, so. I cut them slack, but I don't like them. But, you know, they're playing here at the amphitheater at Bayfront, which is 
you know, decent sized place. Oh is. yeah, no, they're doing great. Like yeah. all these, all these kids who don't know no better. You know what I mean? Don't well, know, no, you know, the real shit. They will. You know, they 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 think they're fucking amazing. You know, and hey, like you said, if it's if it's a gateway into getting kids into listen to real rock and roll, I'm all for it. Yeah, trust me, there were some kids on YouTube that attacked me. <laughs> crawl out, crawl back into the rock you came from. These guys rule. Ah, <laughs> oh, those wacky kids with their hula hoops and beetle music. <laughs> uh, uh, here's another one that made me laugh. Dave Ellison said he was briefly considered for the bassist position in Metallica after Jason Newstead's exit. Really? Boy, that would have pissed Dave off. Oh, would it have? Oh my God, that would have drove him nuts. And, and, and that's my question. If there is any validity to this story... Uh, do you think he was honestly a consideration, or do you think they just thought about it just to piss Mustaine off? I think they thought about it just to piss him off because it's well documented in uh, some kind of monster. You had Twiggy, you had Pepper, you had Les Clay. No, not Les Claypool wasn't there. Les Claypool tried out after Cliff died, actually. Right. Uh, but uh, they had a bunch of bass players try out. The guy from Caius. Right. Uh, Try it out, but you didn't see Dave Ellison in those rehearsals. Maybe they, they called them, you know, and then like hung up the phone and giggled. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> you know. That's what I'm thinking. And that's not a slam to Dave Ellison, because uh, I, I do think he's a solid bass player. He's amazing. I think, like Gene Simmons, he's dumbed it down a lot. Because Gene Simmons, you listen to those early Kiss albums, he's fucking awesome, but then he dumbed it down. I think he's dumbed it down, even though, no. Let me rephrase that. Dystopia, he brought back the game a little bit. Right. But uh, he's amazing. If you listen to Killing Is My Business and Peace Sells, he's all over that fretboard, you know? But so is Jason Newstead on the Flotsam album. You know, they made him dumb it down. Dude, listen to Doomsday for Deceiver. It's a bass uh, solo through the whole fucking album. Right. But, uh, I, I mean, do you think they ever seriously considered him or do you think it was just like uh let's let's fuck with dave yeah i think it's let's fuck with dave because um come on you know i i really don't think they would have done it because i love dave ellison but i don't think he would have fit uh metallica i don't think so yeah i i don't i don't think so either i i think the perfect replacement is uh me yeah well no i, th- I think trujulio who they got now is perfect no he's great he's awesome yeah, you know, I don't, I don't really like his monkey walk, but, you know, what can you do? I mean, and, and I, I love Newstead, but I, I think, you know, they let Trujulio be Trujulio. I don't yes. think they ever let Newstead be Newstead. You're 100% correct. I've noticed that myself, dude. I, 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 you can tell they didn't give him no hazing, but then again, Trujulio paid his dues. Yeah, well, that's the, Trujulio already had a name, already had a reputation. Uh, you know, when Newstead came in, it was a different time. They were all much younger, uh, you know, and it was fresh from, you, you know, I, I think anybody who would have came in after Cliff would have suffered the same fate as Newstead, uh, you know. But uh, but I, I think Trujulio fits perfect. Uh, you know, I, I feel bad for Newstead, you know, in, in a way. I, I mean, you know, can't feel too bad. I mean, the guy made millions off of being a Metallica. But I, I don't think he ever... Really, even though he was there for what's, you know, you can't argue was the biggest era of Metallica. Uh, he didn't get to forge his own path, and, and that's unfortunate. You know, didn't have, get to have his own voice. Yeah, I agree. Uh, 
Alright, well, I'm skipping like 37 fucking different Kiss stories, because fuck Kiss. Uh, oh, here's one. Uh, kind of makes... Does Kiss not mean spit to you? They don't mean spit to me, <laughs> They throw the national anthem in the middle of that song. How stupid is that? Don't get me started on that. I was at a concert where they stopped to do the Pledge of Allegiance. Let's not say, let's not argue about how stupid Kiss can get. Are you kidding me? No, I told you about that. The last show I saw where he stopped. Come on, people. We got people taking the knee. But here in Kiss Incorporated, we love America. You know, you know, it's, it's, you know, he's like, put your hand on your heart, people. And, oh, oh my! I it, forgot, I forgot you said that. Yeah, dude, dude. <laughs> it was, it was so gay. I saw gay couples eating pussy, just to like get that taste out of their mouth. It was hey. pathetic. It was pathetic. Oh boy. Oh, it's so sad. That's why I'm not going to see this fucking this last shenanigans. And, and, and you think I am? I still think you're going to go. All right, we'll see. They are coming. We'll see. <laughs> Somehow I think you're going to end up going. I ain't judging. I ain't bitching. I just, man, uh, you went on the fucking Bill Ward tirade and, and still ended up at the fucking, you know, the Black Sabbath show. Uh, true, but, but. You know, it was a free ticket, but, hey. No, 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 I was going to say, but, but, the farewell tour did not come. Well. I wouldn't have went. Well, you know what I'm saying, though. You went, you went soft Bad without him. And I was front row with my Bill Ward shirt. I had, I, I had a mission. No, I get that, but, but I'm telling you, look, look, people, people send you fucking three hundred dollar box sets. Dude, you know some? Uh, well, I'm not gonna. Well, fuck it. Okay. My niece bought me a ticket to see Queen with Adam Lambert. Yeah, and and now you're going, huh? Well, cause Brian May, I was like, fuck it. Ex- that's why I'm saying you're gonna see Kiss. There's gonna I've be. I've already seen Scott Dude, I'm telling you, I'm not going. We'll see. You'll see. I, I know, but Ruben De La Rosa, I love that guy. You know, he's going to show up with a ticket or something. You're going to end up going. I, I'm just saying. No, we'll see. But I, I doubt it. Hey, if you go, you go. You know? I nope. know, but I really don't see myself supporting that crap anymore. I've seen it enough. I've seen Scab Kids three times, all times for free. But I, that's it. That's it. I, after the last one, I was like, fuck, man. I can't do this no more. Yeah. Even though, even though Paul is going to sound great on this one. Well, I, I, see, I saw Scam Kiss twice, once for free and once for $20. And the way I see it, they still owe me like 200 bucks. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I, enough about Kiss, goddammit. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about a band I give a shit about, and that is Van Halen. Mm. And Michael Anthony uh, just came out and shot down rumors. What a band. Uh, yeah, that one kind of like, shit, I was hoping it was true. And you know, I was going to gloat, because if you listen to a past episode, I don't know what episode it was, I said, Van Halen's going to bring Michael Anthony back, uh, you know, to, you know, to, for the next tour. I really thought it was going to happen to, you know, spur more interest in the band, you know, but uh, I'm not gloating. Yeah, but I, I mean, I mean that's, that's a thing. I, I mean, how much more interest would that really translate into no it uh, would it would i, I mean no 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 it, look don't get me wrong Ian. It, it it won't bring asses to the seats but it'll cause like good publicity 
Yes, yes. I, I, you know, we've talked about this a million times, like with fucking Kiss. Uh, you know, the hardcores, but the hardcores don't don't make up the majority of who goes and sees these bands now. Exactly. All they give a fuck about, oh, Eddie Van Halen. Oh, or just you know, they they, they don't even. I, I think half these people wouldn't even care if it was Dave or Sammy. You know, they're just like, oh, oh, I see the name Van Halen. I know that band. You know, jump. Yeah, I know that song. Uh, you know, but, you know, Dave alluded in this interview that uh, the next time you see his band, he says, uh, they'll be playing where the Yankees play and kind of gave an illusion to, like, they're doing a new Monsters of Rock kind of thing with Metallica and the Foo Fighters and some other huge bands. He said Guns N' Roses, look, there's no way. That Guns N' Roses and Metallica will open for Van Halen. They can sell out stadiums on their own. Why would they, you know, stoop to opening for Van Halen? It makes no sense. It, it does and it doesn't. Foo Fighters as well. They can fill up stadiums. I, I, I know, but could you imagine, though? Could, could you imagine if you had all these bands, you know, and if you got a promoter willing to pay the certain amount of money, and it could be them, like, you know, you gotta you gotta think too. Metallica and Guns N' Roses, they're older now. I I think they're more willing to tip their hat and give a little bit more respect now than they would when they were younger. Look how Axel acts now compared to how he used to act. You know, you don't see him showing up late for shows. You know, three fucking hours late and shit like that. No prima donna shit when he was with ACDC. I think Axel Rose has grown up. You know. Uh, I, I think Metallica would be willing to, you know, they, they played a show in Pasadena, California, where they started playing Ain't Talking About Love and, and, and tipped their hat at the Pasadena. Oh, you know, you do have a point. Maybe they'll do it just for that show, though. You, you I know, can't see a tour like that. No, but could you imagine, though? I, I mean, think about it this way, though. You know, with there's not as many bands touring at that level. And if you got the biggest of the big, now unfortunately that translates into tickets probably most people couldn't fucking afford. But could you imagine a tour of that magnitude playing stadiums? I could see it. I could see it. And I could see these bands saying, hey, we're going to do our thing. We'll let Van Halen, you know, have, you know be the headliner or whatever because we're all going to get paid gazillions. You know, I could see it, and I, I think it'd be smart. I'd love to go as much as, like, unfortunately, I'd probably be, like, you know, in the stadium next door. That's what I could afford. Uh, oh, I'm going. I'm going to New York. I know my buddy's there, Eve and Carl. I can stay with Carlos, hang out with Eve, and I'm going to Yankee Stadium for sure. I'm not missing that show. Okay, well, well uh, Eve seems to like me, so, so I'm going to crash on Eve's back for I don't think you can crash there. I always crash. Crash at Carlos's, dude. He's got two beds in a, in uh, a basement. Real nice, uh, real nice setup there. Oh, Car Carlos sounds like good people. He's a great guy, man. Carlos Guti. Oh, uh, I know him. Shit, yeah. he he owes me twenty bucks anyway. Yeah, right. <laughs> that guy's on the up and up, bro. He ain't my ex drummer. <laughs> But uh, oh man, I, I would love to see this, and and I would, man. I mean, just to to see the original four, I'd love to see it with Mike Anthony. <laughs> but you never know in Van Halen world; they could already plan on bringing them. They just ain't telling them yet. <laughs> you know, they could just yeah. 
call him up. Yeah, you know. I and, thinking, and what's he gonna do? Say no. You know what? You know? I was thinking the same thing, Ian. I was thinking, you know, he doesn't know yet, or there is might be a possibility of them telling him, Mike, tell him it's not true, just so we can fuck everybody up and announce it. You know what I mean? Well, you know, I, I'm still surprised that even you know Dave even hinting at at this. Yeah, and, 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 and that kind of original. Yeah, that's kind of fucked. And, but then again, man, it's like even the Yankee Stadium show. Uh, I, I kind of, I'm, I'm kind of like maybe Dave was just talking out of his ass. Yeah, but I haven't. You know, Dave talks a lot, but you don't see a lot of him talking out of his ass, though. That that's. Uh, you know, I, I well, dude. I mean, I'm telling you, maybe you got caught up in the in the moment and just said that. You know. Yeah, maybe he's just trying to sell that skin cream or whatever. Yeah. God, I don't know. I don't know, but. Uh, God damn, I would love to see that. I would love to see that almost as much as I would love to lick the tears off of Sammy Hagar's face when those tickets go on sale. Oh, that'd be beautiful. <laughs> I would just, I, I would love to be there. I, I would get right behind him. I would even give, I would give Sammy a reach around as I went around and licked the tears off <laughs> his face. It would be, it would be worth it. Like, yeah. And you know, yeah. you know, how Sammy's, you, been on, Sammy's <laughs> been on his best behavior with Van Halen. When if that shit gets announced, he'll go back to bashing them. Mark my words. <laughs> yeah, it'll, it'll be like, yeah, yeah, Montrose played a bigger show than that, you know. Yeah. I yeah. I, I was selling out Yankee Stadium on the Standing Hampton tour. <laughs> 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 oh god. Ah, uh, boy, here's something I have no desire to check out. Dream Theater keyboardist Jordan ruined this. Uh, says his new solo album will, will include a 33-minute song. Holy mackerel! Yeah, not interested. Dazed and confused, song remains the same. Version. Yeah, yeah, not interested. Uh, not a fan of Jordan. I respect his talent. I respect his ability as a musician. Uh, but what what I've heard of him and Dream, I I think he's ruined Dream Theater, and I know That's a lot longer of longer than Change of Season. What, uh, 28 minutes long. Yeah, like 24. I love that song, though. That's, that's a great song. That's a good one. I really like that. Uh, but that one, I believe, featured uh, the great Derek Sherinian. Now, Derek Sherinian is a guy. I actually checked out his solo albums. And I'm not a keyboard guy, but I was like, uh, you know, Mr. X is like, hey, you want some Derek Sherinian solo albums? I'm like, yeah, check it out. And I listened to one. Very listenable. Very, And it had like all kinds of great, like Tony McAplane or McAplane, however the fuck you say his name. You know, on guitar, a bunch of guests. But it was very musical, <coughs> very good. But but Jordan is, is too fucking Disney for me, so I have no interest in this, but I'm sure there's, uh, I'm, I'm sure fucking uh, nitroglycerin will probably wet his pants over that shit, but... Uh, I ain't checking it out. I saw I saw Sheridan last year with uh, Sons of Apollo. Oh, yeah. oh yeah, yeah, yeah! You said that was a good show, huh? Amazing! They did uh, Cradle of Rock. They did uh, the Prophet song and uh, Save Me from Queen. It was great. Yeah, it was yeah. sad though, man. Jeff Scott Soto before they played a uh, Prophet song, he he dedicated to his brother who just passed away. He was like, wow. Man. Yeah. A little hard. And they dedicated it to somebody else. Oh, uh, the drummer of uh, Mr. Big. 
Oh yeah, Pat Torpy. Yeah, uh, yeah you, you know, I still need to check that album out. I still haven't oh, listened. Oh, that album's amazing. You have it though, right? Yeah, I have it. Really good, really, I, really good. I, I, I think I had Mr. X send it to you. <laughs> well, I have but, it on uh, vinyl now. But uh, yeah, I, would, I, I need to check that out because I mean, I like you, you know. Tim, my least favorite musician out of that lineup is is Bumblefoot. Oh, he's awesome. Yeah, I don't know. He just, I don't know. He's no Buckethead. I'm going to see a bucket at again, number four. Oh, wow. awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, Steve Riley, uh, we talked about this last week, but now he's talking about why he's using the L.A. Guns name for uh, the M3 Rock Festival appearance. And basically, uh, he wants to make some fucking money. And uh, he feels like he has a right to because it's him and another original member, Kelly Nichols, and another former member, Scott Griffin, in the lineup. Uh, and he basically said, man, I'm, I'm tired of playing small clubs for chump change. I'm 63 years old. And, uh, you know, if they can use this name, why can't I? I'm, I'm half owner of the name, which is true. Uh, I, I don't know how it's going to be. You know, L.A. Guns is one of those bands, to me, uh, what you really need most of all i mean as much as i love tracy gunn's guitar playing you need phil lewis's voice yeah. uh to, to me i signify that with, with with la guns and with a lot of bands that's one of the hardest things to replace is a singer unless you're motley crew baby yeah well yeah, no, yeah. i'm saying i'm saying from a fan perspective right no no yeah right. no, for the for, for the non-hardcore forget it yeah yeah, well, I mean, there's so many people who fucking would never... Ex- I mean, look at Johnny Vogan, one of the biggest crew fans ever. He, he, doesn't, like, he doesn't like 94? No. No, not at all. Not at you all. Know, I just got on vinyl the Karabi Live in Nashville 94. It's awesome. I, I, I saw you posted that. Yeah, I, I think I have that. I don't know if I've listened well, to Well, I'll send it to Mr. X to send to you because it brought a card that brought an extra tune. Okay. Right on. Right on. I will check that out. But, uh... I can't send it to you, by the way. That's illegal. Yeah, yeah. But I'll uh, send it to Mr. X because he supplies me with, with hookers. Yes, and, and Burning Witches albums. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, yeah, so, it, it, you know, this would be hard to see. I would love to hear the set list. I think they would probably do a cool classic set list. But to me, you got to have Phil Lewis's voice, you know, for, for it to be L.A. Guns. But... Glad to see Kelly Nichols doing something. Yeah, right? Wow. All right. Well, uh, let's see. What else do we got? Anything worth a shit? Well, I can tell you, on Christmas Eve was Lemmy's birthday that just passed. And there's yeah. a girl in my condominium that came to my door, and she said, I got you a present. And it was a Lemmy doll. Oh. And, and you know, I was like, oh, my God. You know, I was like, you know, today's Lemmy's birthday. She's like, I have no, I had no idea. I just know you like Motorhead. I saw you wearing a Motorhead shirt one day, and I saw... She saw it at... Man, what did she saw? She saw it, I think, at Walmart or some shit. And she said, oh, I'm going to get this for Ralph. He likes Motorhead. And ain't it wild? Like, she came to my door at Christmas Eve and gave me a, a Lemmy doll on his birthday. Ain't that crazy? That's awesome. Yeah. It's an awesome, you know, doll. Um, and it's one of those boxes you can open up. It's not sealed, even though I'm not going to open it. And his hand comes out of the plastic. 
It's weird. Oh, cool. And he's holding the Rickenbacker. It's a badass. And it says, you know, like the, the DVD, 49%, son of a bitch, 51% motherfucker, something like that. Right. It says that on the cover. Fucking cool. Man, I, I was just thinking about Lemmy the other day, and I was listening to some Motorhead, and I was like, God damn, I miss that guy. Oh, yeah. And, and you know, I was thinking about when he passed, and, uh, you know, when he passed, you and me were in the middle of an argument, and it looked like it might be the end of the show. No, we weren't. Yeah. You got the timeline wrong. No, that was right, right, when, right, right when Lemmy died. This was another time we got into an argument. Oh, okay, it wasn't the big one. No, it was it was the one before. Okay. And uh, and no, I, I was thinking about that, man, and I was like, God damn, I remember that day, and I still got that the bottle of Jack I bought when he died. You know, it, it's over my fucking uh, stove because I'm white trash, and uh, <laughs> and uh, even though I'm black, but uh, <laughs> you know, I was just thinking about watching the funeral and calling you, you know, and it got it kind of made shit seem like you know. Like, what we were arguing over was fucking, like, peanuts, you know? It was bullshit, you know? When you look at the grand scope of things, like, fuck, we just lost Lemmy, you know? Well, it's peanuts to you because it was all your fault, I mean. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Whatever it was. <laughs> yeah. Where have I heard this before? Um, and recently. Hey, where are you going? Hold on, hold on. My, my ego just walked away. Get back here. <laughs> but, uh... Nah, I'm just kidding. You stuck by me. Uh, but... That's true. I didn't leave your ass. <laughs> I, I like you because you have internet friends. Yes. <laughs> I'm the opposite. Yes. Uh, but yeah, man, just so sad. And uh, man, I just listen to some Motorhead. And always, always cheers me up and, and, and keeps me positive. And uh, man, what a fucking loss. What a fucking loss, man. Hey, just today I was driving around and on my iPod shuffle, I Am the Sword came on. What a song that is. Great shit there. Bastards. Have we done that one yet? Uh, Did we do Bastards? Yeah, yeah. Mama Don't Kiss Me Tonight. Yeah. Now I remember we did that. Oh, that song. Oh, God. All right. Well, uh, yes, Lemmy, we miss you. We miss yeah, you and love you. Uh, Jakey Lee says he, he would play with Ozzy again. <laughs> and uh, man, yeah, I know, but I, I would love to see it. And I, I think that I, oh, yeah. I, I think now now the time is right. I think this would be awesome. I think it would be a good. Uh, kind of push for for the uh, these Aussie shows too uh to maybe tease that and, and, and it, they, sh- they should wait a little bit so it could be the Ozzy Osbourne Jakey e. Lee no more tours number three <laughs> <laughs> but uh I, I mean of course we know it's going to be nothing like that but you know it would be it, it, I, the best we could hope for is like a special appearance where he comes out and plays like maybe a four song that or something. Uh, yeah, but God damn that! Nice. Oh, oh, I love that song. Dude, waiting for darkness, and uh, now you see it. Bark at the moon and rock and roll rebel. Hell yeah! Oh, How what about, about the B side? Yeah, what about the B side? That's what I was gonna say. I love yeah. that fucking song. Uh, that song. Oh, 
Oh, I love it. I love it. I felt, I gotta tell you a story. I felt like such a jackass when I, I met Jakey Lee during uh, the Voodoo Highway. Yeah. Um, because for ages, dude, uh, the, when, you know, when they gave uh, the Metal Shop uh, tribute to Randy Rhodes, when it was over, the jackass DJ here, he's like, I'm gonna play you a song nobody's heard before. It's a song with Ozzy and, and Randy Rhodes. And he played one up the B side, and I had it on cassette. And I was like, God, this sounds so much like Jake Lee. I think this guy's wrong. And this is pre-internet and shit. And when I met Jake, I told him that. I said, Jake, is that you on One Up the B-Side? And he's like, holy shit, I haven't heard that song forever. Yeah, yeah, man, that's a great song. And, you know, I kind of felt stupid saying it because he was in that song. It sounds so much like Jake and nothing like Randy. You know? Right. Fucking great song. Yeah, I agree. Uh, our... All right, well, Getty Lee says he misses playing with Rush. And uh, I miss him playing with Rush, too. Yeah. Uh, but he, he hints, you know, he might play again and he might do a solo album. But, you know, again, I think we talked about this the other week. Rush is done. It's unfortunate. But uh, I would love to hear new music from Getty Lee. I was a fan of his solo album, My Favorite My Headache. Favorite. I never heard it. Really? Yeah. Oh, I, I, I dig it. I dig it. I mean, it's different. I, I, I mean, it's different and it isn't. You know, some songs you can see being a Rush song, and, and some you're like, no, that, that's, that ain't Rush. Uh, but I found it thoroughly enjoyable, and uh, I would like to see him do something. And, and he is the guy with the least ailments, <laughs> you know, because, uh, you know, Neil Peart's got a lot of problems. Alex Lifeson's got a lot of problems with arthritis and shit. Uh, but I, I would love to see him. And, and he hints that, you know, it's, it's very possible, but, you know, nothing planned. He's promoting this new book he's got now about, you know, playing bass and interviewed a lot of, like, well-named bass players. Uh, he, inter- he interviews uh, uh, Bill Wyman from the Rolling Stones. He interviews John Paul Jones. And, uh, you know... It, Sounds like a great read, and I, I just love Getty. And I was driving around today, and uh, passage uh, passage to Bangkok came on. Yeah, and I was just like, oh God, do I love this song? And uh, you know, I immediately thought to to our Rush show, and just again thinking how fucking lucky I was to see that, you know, and to see Rush, you know, the the four times I got to see him, you know. Uh, what a great fucking band, you know. But but one you know we'll never see again, you know. And that's say you know lucky lucky we had what we had. But you know as I was talking about the news this week, it's like ah where does shit we care about? You know it's like all the shit we care about is going away. <laughs> you know, good thing we still have hundreds of albums to talk about on this show. This yeah, this, show, but... this show can go on for a long time, but uh. You know, we need some new bands other than Greta Van Fleet putting out some shit we can talk about. <laughs> no, we need new bands that, you know, that get good management because there's a lot of good bands out there. True, true. We, well, I guess what we really need is a good, good audience, <laughs> you know, yeah. and people being receptive to this kind of music. Well, here's one reason to hope that the apocalypse happens in 2019. Brett Michael says Poison will return in 2020. <laughs> with new music, right? I yes, right with new music. Oh, 
Good don't guy. threaten us like that. <laughs> yeah, don't threaten me with a good time. One of the <laughs> one of the working titles is uh, "Take It Outside." <laughs> Take it outside and bury it in the back fucking yard. <laughs> oh, good lord! Well, what, what kind of impact do you think Poison will have in 2020? As much impact as they've been having since uh, <laughs> since 1995, you know. I don't know. I think it might be time to get into this incredible fucking album uh, we're going to talk about today. What do you think? Let's do it, bro. All right, what album is this? Uh, this album came out. All right, let's see if I get this one. I'm sure to lose on this one. I know it's the 90s. Um, 95. Ding, 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 ding. Winner, winner, chicken dinner. I got it right. Hell wow. yeah. Damn. Yeah, look at you. You know, I can't pick like you know these classics that I grew up with, like you know, uh, you know Judas Free sounds, but I can pick this one where you know the '90s were like, you know, very depressing. Yeah, well, this is a classic. This is a good, very, very good album. I have, I own it on vinyl. Nice. I need to get this on vinyl. Yeah, it's you do. it's expensive. Is it? Well, it is. They they put oh, out now. they they put out. Uh, you might have the original pressing. No, they, I got I got the two album version. Oh yeah, the two album one eighty. That's what I want to get. Yeah. Yeah, I bought it like maybe three four years ago from my uh, dealer. I have this guy, uh, plug for Jason Bojans, MiamiMetalMerchant.com. That guy gets you. I should have told you this a long time ago, Ian. When you're looking for vinyl, I mean, eh, you know, I mean, come on, he's limited stock, but still, always check his shit because he's always gets the good prices. And he's a close personal friend of mine. Yeah, you like that one, that Eddie Truck? He texts me all the time. Well, uh, he should have a commercial that we play in the plugs. I'll talk to him about it. Um, I call him Babuglia. <laughs> was he a Bugalard? He no, was, he no. Bugalard? Well, he, we did a festival up in, uh, oh, where the fuck was that? Somewhere up in North Florida. And he came up with us. And he had to like, stand there, and then it started raining. We had to get a tarp. We had to cover all his vinyls. And for some reason, that, what's the name of that uh, that that fucking uh, so, solo artist chick, Natalie Babag? What was her name? And, and Bruglia. And he said Babuglia. <laughs> <laughs> and, and ever since then, I call him Babuglia. <laughs> Bababui. Babuglia, Babuglia, Babuglia. <laughs> and his name is Jason Bojan, so it's not that far. I just call him Babuglia. Mr. Bojangles, Babulia. But every time something new comes out, I'm always like, can you get me this? And he'll get it for me like, you know, three, four bucks cheaper than Amazon. He's the man. He just, oh, got, yeah. me, uh, he just got me the two last King Diamond vinyls I needed, Puppet Master and uh, Abigail 2. Oh. Yeah, he finally got me those. Oh, yeah, we need to get a commercial for this guy. Yeah, he's awesome, man. MiamiMetalMerchant.com. Check him out, man. He's got the Thrasher Die vinyls, too, man. He's actually he's actually the guy that pressed them. Babuglia nice. Records. <laughs> Babuglia, as you know, stands for quality. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's the man. I love that guy. Awesome. Well, we're talking a lot about it, but we haven't mentioned what we're talking about. Nola from Down. Hell yeah. Released in 1992. 95. You had it come right on, the first time. Come on, I, I just want to be like old school. I'm kidding. I wanted to keep track on how stupid I am. <laughs> I will say, spoiler alert, 
there are no bad songs, and I would consider this in the top five albums that were released in the 1990s. Uh, well, I would, yeah, you know, I'd put them on top ten, maybe. I don't know, I'd have to do the math. Maybe it would be in my top five. Uh, I, I, I think this album is a fucking masterpiece, and, and gotta give a shout-out to uh, an old-school classic friend of the show, Eric Cinnamon, uh, for picking this. This is our second time recording this. We recorded this originally right before the great computer crash. Yep, lost it. Yeah, and lost it. And well, we, enough time's gone by. Yeah, yeah, and we want to take some time because this whole show is about spontaneity. And, uh, and that's more so for you because I'm so drunk, it's always new to me. Uh, <laughs> you know, but you wanted to take some time. We took some time. But uh, we came back to it, and uh, man, this is one I was really, really ready to do again. Because, uh, yeah, spoiler alert, I love every fucking song on this goddamn album. But, uh, Ralph, why don't you talk about how you discovered this album? Uh, no, I, I can't tell you. I, I, I think maybe uh, the um, Stone the Crow video, maybe. I might be wrong, but I think that's how I discovered it, because uh, at that time I had uh, the Spanish Headbangers Ball. Only Miami Beach had it. They broadcast it from Miami Beach, but it was for South America, and they still had Headbangers Ball. It was the Spanish Latin MTV, and they played this video. I think that's how I first heard it. When I heard that uh, uh, song, I said, yeah, this is an album I must go purchase. Uh, and um, I think so, though, man. It was... That, that was a very hazy time in my life, too. There was a lot of vodka involved in those years. Uh, Fucking so, vodka, man. Yeah, I was a mess. And uh, so, you know, but, you know, I think, I, I, I'm just speculating. I think that's how I discovered it. Uh, from that, and I bought the album. And I loved it. And I was very happy with it. And the album doesn't really represent, uh, Stone the Crow doesn't really represent the overall sound of this album. It's kind of like a different sounding song on the album, but it does have a couple elements in it, but it's a great damn song, but all the other songs that sound nothing like it are damn fine as well. So, yeah, uh, I don't remember how I discovered it, but, you know, I'm just speculating there. How about you? Uh, again, very hazy time, man. A lot of acid back in those days. A lot of acid. And I don't remember if it was word or mouth, or just seeing it in the record store and seeing the sticker that was on it. You know, it had the hype sticker, you know, Phil and Selma from Pantera, Pepper Keenan from Corrosion Conformity, and, uh, Kirk Weinstein from Crowbar, you know, Jimmy Bauer, all this shit, you know, Todd Strange. Uh, I really can't remember, but I remember, you know, seeing it, grabbing it, putting it in the CD player immediately, leaving the record store, Chicago Records, and just being blown the fuck away. Uh, because at this time, you know, Headbangers Ball, you know, was off the air. You weren't seeing this shit on MTV. Uh, I, I think it was off by 95. Yeah, it was. I, th I believe it was 92. It was done, or 93. No, 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 no. 93? No, I think it was 94. Okay. Right when, right when uh, uh, Ditto had uh, Slayer, that's when it went off. The yeah, way. yeah, '94. That was '94 when that came out. So, uh, but oh my God, what a, what a breath of fresh air! I mean, oh my God, down. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, already, you know, metal was was suffering, you know, the whole the grunge explosion, you know, and you had Metallica, you know, holding the flame, keeping everything alive when Metallica went to shit. Uh, but, you know, Metallica was its own, I mean, uh, Pantera was its own sound. You know what I mean? It was its own thing. There was something new uh, that was exciting about it. But this is something that borrowed heavily from the past, you know, what made all these bands. And that made it that much more exciting because, you know, at least what I was listening to, there was nothing that that was this blatantly inspired by Black Sabbath, who I was heavily listening to at the time as well because... You were doing uh, a lot of acid. Yeah, I was doing a lot of acid. But, it, you know, it, it's one of those things, you know, when when the current scene dies, you look for any new innovators and you also go back to the past. And, and that I was doing that heavily at this time. You know, it was... You know what little new sounds I enjoyed, and and the past because there wasn't that much current. So, uh, you know, Sabbath was in a heavy, heavy rotation uh, at this time. So hearing something like this was just fucking mind blowing because it was the mixture of the two sounds. You know, the new shit that was driving because Pantera was definitely, you know, what what Merciful Fate was to you in the '80s. That's what Pantera was to me in the '90s. Oh, me too. You know, it was fucking, I mean, they, that... They were my band. Oh, Trust yeah. Me. Believe me, you. I was into Pantera as much as you in the 90s. Yeah. They, they were my band. I was like, fuck yeah. They are still doing it, and they're still doing it proud, and they're huge. Yeah, you can put your finger to Overkill who's doing it, but they were all in clubs. Pantera was up there and still doing it, so I had, like, so much respect and love for them. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Huge, huge Pantera fan, and, and fuck the haters. I, I mean, I, I really don't see how any... Anybody could hate that fucking band. It's one of those I just don't get. That's like saying you don't like fucking real Van Halen. Like, yeah, oh, you know, it's like, it's like, you know, this is the difference between my generation and that generation was back in the day with Van Halen, you know, you had all those spawn, poison, hair metals that spawned for Van Halen, but we didn't blame Van Halen. But you know, it was because of Van Halen. They right. spawned all this crap. I mean, it's not their fault, but I'm just saying. And when we hated on Poison, we weren't thinking of Van Halen because Van Halen rules. So then Pantera, they spawned a bunch of new metal crap. And a lot of people blame Pantera for it. Like if Pantera was like, hey, after we're done with this album, let's have a meeting and invent some bands. You well, know? And, hey, and, I got I, Vinnie Paul's like, Dimebag, I found one called Crazy Town. All right, let's get them signed. That's how people look at Pantera. And, and, and what, what's funny, too, is that it is kind of almost identical to Van Halen because... Van Halen inspired a lot of bands that didn't have the front man, didn't have the guitar player, but just took that the, the fucking attitude, you know, and, and tried to make it based on that. And with Pantera, you had a lot of bands, same thing. They, they had an angry singer, and rhythmically it was more groove-oriented, but they none threw of them. The, they threw the hip hop in there. You know? But none of them had the dime bag. They didn't have that level of musicality. Yeah. And they didn't have the the, the stage presence of Phil and Selma. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, the same thing. Look at all those bands that copied David yeah, Lee Roth, but none and of them are David Lee Roth. Even you know? Kiss. Hello. Oh my God. 
Go look at fucking Animal Lives Live, all those raps that Paul Stanley was doing. He was trying to be Dave, but it was really bad. Yeah. Uh, Dave would pick a girl out of the audience, start making out with him. Uh, Paul would just talk about some nurse giving him head at a fucking hospital. At a hospital. Yeah. When he went to go get his age test. The nurse's name was Franklin. <laughs> and another similarity, Van Halen, Pantera, brothers of drummers and, and yeah. guitar player. And the very last word that Dimebag said to his brother, Van Halen. Because every time they went up on stage, that was the word they'd say to each other. Yeah. Even during Pantera days, before they go on stage, you know, like, have a good show. No, they'd go, Van Halen. That's what they would say. And just amazing. You know, in my opinion, the, the last uh, guitar god. And if you was, see a was Dime Paul, I, I'm very sorry for cutting you off, Ian. <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I, I meant to do that really sarcastically uh, and loud. Uh, but if you look at, like, Vinnie, Vinnie Paul's, I don't know if it's like, you know, he always wore it, but in his last interview, he was always wearing a Van Halen necklace. Yeah. Fucking badass. Yeah. Because Van Halen's a shit, Pantera. Van Halen rules. And and, and then this band, though, man, like, wow. I, I, I mean, they're, to me, there's elements of, of Pantera. Maybe that's just strictly because of Phil and Selmo. But, uh, man, you really, you know, the shining star, to me, it, you know, it's like, you want to talk about, like, having, a, like, a Dave and Eddie... Or a fill and fucking, uh, uh, you know, dime bag thing. And down, man, it's fill and fucking pepper. And that's not taking anything away from Kirk, because I think Kirk's very important about what he added to the band, too. But, uh, man, how many people can, can do, can find the soul of Tony Iommi like Pepper Keenan has? I, I mean, look at, look at how he changed corrosion of conformity from what they were you know, to what they became. And, but, it, but in this, it is such like just Sabbath worship without being plagiarism. You know, it's, it's with adding a little something new and, and making it exciting, but man, doesn't have that feel. But, th but then you got Kirk who adds that fucking, that, that doom to it too, that you got from Crowbar. You know, and, and Jimmy Bowers drumming is so fucking solid on this album, man. Jimmy Bowers so fucking cool, man. I mean, I've hung out with each and every one of these fucking dudes and got did fucked up. Did you any trunk? Yes, I did. And 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 they were all fucking cool. Todd was super cool. Now they say Todd didn't play bass on the album. They say the bass was played by Kirk. Uh you know, I, I it's one of those things. All, every time I hung out with Todd, it's one of those questions like I want to ask him, but then I don't want to ask. Like, how do you ask? Like, hey, I heard you didn't play bass on that album. <laughs> you know, it's like I never wanted to ask because he was always so cool. And uh, someday I hope we have him on here because he said he wanted to come on and do Merciful Fate, Morbid Tales. And that would be fucking awesome. That's awesome. I mean, not, not, mer <laughs> not Merciful Fate. I'm yeah. about to goof on you. You mean Celtic Frosted Flakes? I mean Celtic Frosted Flakes, yes. I'm very drunk right now. But uh, but yeah, I asked him that. I said, what album would you like to do? And he said that. I was like, oh, that would be cool. That would be cool. But, man, I mean, so many times there's super groups that just are... 
fall apart, man. It's just too much ego, not enough of why you should really be together kind of thing. You know, fucking too many times supergroups turn out like the firm, you know. And, uh, you know, this is something that turned out like fucking blind faith, you know. I mean, this is just fucking musicians together for all the right reasons. I mean, and, and then they're all fucking NOLA boys, uh, you know, grew up together and shit. And, and I, I think that that translates, you know, into this. Because it isn't just like, you know, the record company picked these people to get together. These are all friends who grew up together that came together playing music based upon, you know, what they grew up on and what they loved and, and just coming up with something. It's just fucking amazing. God damn, do I love this band. Uh, cannot, cannot wait to fucking review this one again. But, yeah, it's uh, so good. We want to do it twice. Yes, but uh, why, why don't you start off, Ralph? What do you think of the first track, Temptation's Wings? There's not a better song to kick off this album than this one. This song fucking rules. It's a great opening track. To give you what to expect on this album, it's Sabbath worship with a southern rock twist with those insane screams from Anselmo. You know, it's just a killer combination with that type of music and... This song is just fucking badass, you know, with such a killer groove, uh, with an epic ending. I love that ending with that same riff and the drums coming in. It just gets heavier and louder as it goes on. And this one's a fucking burner, bro. It's a great opening track. I absolutely love Temptation Wings. And there's a low-budget video for this song. Uh, that one I don't think I've seen. Yeah, it's just them, like, it's black and white in a rehearsal room bashing out this song. But they made a video for it. Oh, man, I'd love to see that. It's on man, YouTube. This song, Holy Fucking Sabbath. Uh, and I, I love the, the guitar tone on this album. It's very like Black Sabbath Volume 4. I, I mean, uh, if I could sum up, you know, the sound of this album, it would be Black Sabbath Volume 4 with a little bit of sabotage here and there. Uh, but God damn, the fucking power of this song. The power of the rip compels you. Oh, my God. The drumming, the riffs, the singing. And, uh, and, and yeah, it, 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 you, you hear Pantera because you hear Phil's voice. But it's not Pantera musically. And, you know, it, it does have a groove. And, you know, Pantera is very groove-laden. But it's not like the same sonic groove. But you can also compare the groove. They have a groove. It doesn't sound like Pantera groove, but they both have groove. Right, but I, I, I think where Pantera definitely had a groove, they down has more of a blues. Like I hear more of like Sabbath meets Skinner on this. You know, let I me, let me put it this way: I consider the groove on Down to be like original Black Sabbath, where Pantera their groove, even though they weren't groove, uh, Dio Sabbath. You know, it was precise and perfect. Right. Where down was more loose and organic. Yeah, you know no, I mean? uh, that, that's a great analogy right there. Yeah, I'm smart. I can do things. Not like everybody says. Yep. Uh, but, oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, and you summed it up, too. I mean, there's no better track to be the opening uh, track than this. It sets the template. You know what you're getting into now. Uh, but then they fucking turn up a notch even more with fucking Lifer. Holy shit, that fucking rip. 
oh my god and the vocals on lifer the way he screams it oh man i mean i mean it is it's like sabbath on fucking steroids i mean talk about a one-two punch to start out a fucking album uh lifer whoo i'm a lifer for this fucking song what do you think yeah this in this song they turn it up like seven notches you know with this track it's you know that infusing that killer verse with hooks and that chorus just so badass that you know i'm staring right back at myself and through its frozen image that shit's so badass dude in that middle section you know you know it just hits it out of the fucking park you know and then at the end with yeah you know i gotta say man fuck it man this is the best song on the album according to me thank you wow love it oh yeah i don't know man it's tied I gotta say, there's two songs on this album that's my favorite, and they're tied. So yeah, Lifer and uh, one coming up. Yeah, well, man, I I, I can't fault you for, uh, you know, saying anything's the best song on on this album because I fucking love it all. But then we go into Pillars of Eternity. Now this is one uh, solely written by Phil and Samo. But man, the way this starts out, all I can think of is holy fucking Bauer power to the max. God damn, do I love the way the drums start off on this. And then when fucking Pepper and Kirk kick in, God damn, do I love this fucking song. Phil knocks it out of the fucking park. Pillars of Eternity, man, is a fucking... Oh, my God, it's a fucking grand slam. I love it. What do you think? Nah. I mean, I don't think it's as good as the first you tried. Eh? It's good. I guess you forgot our first review. You were drunk that night. I guess. Yeah, I don't remember any of that yeah. shit. Yeah, this one, I, I I don't hate it. Don't get me wrong. I just consider this one filler. I, I just don't think it's uh, as good as the first two tracks. You know, I like it, but I wouldn't say love. But uh, I think they get on track on the next track, Rehab, with, uh, you know, that heavy, you know, laid-back vibe amongst the chaotic music surrounding it with cowbells. You know, and I, I love the riffage, the breakdown, and that 70s solo going back and forth. Those solos, that rehab, now that's a good fucking track. What do you think? Oh, I, I fucking, you know, I, I don't love rehab, but I love the fucking song. God damn, I, I love the, the Skinner meets Sabbath vibe on this one. And uh, and again, I you know, what you said about the, you know, the going back and forth on the guitar. Kirk is a huge uh, Thin Lizzy fan, and you can kind of tell, like you know, he's uh, he's bringing that vibe to this because this is one he's got a co-writing credit in uh, one of two songs uh, that Kirk has has a writing credit on, and you you totally feel that, Uh, you know, as far as a guitar tone, but more, uh, you know, I definitely feel a Skinner vibe. Too, though because uh, it's got the bluesy side and you know it's got the Sabbath side but yeah those dueling guitars total thin Lizzy I fucking love rehab then we go into hail the leaf holy shit this song's so heavy it should be about smack not pot uh, but, whoo, fuck I love this song uh, makes me want to smoke pot even though I, I don't really smoke pot anymore but you're, you're a big fan of pot, even though you don't 
Right? Well, I, I was a huge, huge uh, connoisseur of marijuana before I got a city job. Um, I, I, I used to smoke a lot of pot, yeah. Uh, but uh, I quit. It's been now 11 years, 11 years and four months since I have smoked weed. Ain't that crazy? Wow. Yeah, I've been, I've been, I've been contemplating smoking weed again. Uh, well, last time I smoked weed, it just made me like paranoid and depressed. Yeah, and as I, I understand now weed is way more powerful than when I stopped smoking. Oh yeah, man, they got some bubonic out there right they now. They got babuga uh, weed out there. <laughs> <laughs> Is that a bugalard weed? Yeah. Uh, but man, I, I'm like naturally lethargic, so I I, I tend to uh, you know I, I love my beer, you know my alcohol, which is a depressant, but uh, I'm much more into like fucking coke and acid and like speedy shit. But uh, you know I I miss weed. I used to smoke a lot of fucking weed. Just don't do it anymore. But goddamn, this song this song makes me want to do some fucking weed. But it don't make me want to do some smack, even though it sounds like it would be better on smack. Have you ever done smack, Ralph? What what is no? I, I'm not even sure what it is. Is there another name for smack? Heroin. Oh God, no, no. I would I would never do that. No, never done it. No, well, okay. you know, I mean, I see what it does, dude. It's like, no, I don't want to do that. Yeah, well, I I, I mean, I didn't do it on. I didn't like shoot up or nothing. Yeah, I, I, I took some uh, some ecstasy that was filled with smack, so it was, it was like an accident. But uh, ooh, what a! I, I, I did I did get tricked into doing speed once. Uh, they they put speed in a in a joint. I hated it. I didn't know they did it, and it, it, right. it hit me bad. Yeah. Oh, that that, that it, I I smoked the joint at a fucking Stones concert that had PCP. Isn't that the same thing? No. No. I'm really bad with drugs. I don't know what's what. Yeah, no, no, no. PCP, bro. That was that was some fucking shit, man. I was up for a while on that fucking shit. Yeah, they also use PCP for you know uh, plumbing for pipes. <laughs> That's PCB. Oh, PVC. Yeah, that too. Uh, but what do you think of this song, Hail the Lee? Uh, all right. You know, after a song about rehab, here's a song about you know being a fuck up and retreat to marijuana and just smoke. Get stoned. Not the most positive tune. Yeah, musically, it's so badass. The message is a little bit slacker for me, but I can forgive it because the badassery of this song, you know, it just brings it to the ta- table. This song rules. And, you know, when I was a pot smoker, uh, yeah, there were times I just smoked pot and veg out of my house, but I was very active on pot too. You know, all the jobs I had, I had to get stoned before I got in. I had to get stoned, you know, to work. It, it did motivate me too. I'm sure the pot today won't, you know. Like uh, knock me out, you know? Uh, see, I, I, I was the opposite, but I worked with a lot of people who, you know, they would get stoned at work and stuff. I couldn't do it because, like I said, I already have like no motivation whatsoever. And when I smoke, I have even less. And we used to have, you know, as an electrician, we'd be like on new construction jobs where we were digging all day, you know, because we had to put pipe in the ground for our wires and shit like that. And like, oh, we're just digging today. Let's get high. I'm like, fuck, the last thing I want to do is shovel fucking dirt when I'm fucking high. I want to sit on my ass and eat fucking nachos and listen to fucking Pink Floyd. Yeah, that's fun, too. <laughs> you know? But, uh, 
But I have smoked certain weed that, that did give me energy. It was really weird. Like, this guy gave me, like, some bubonic, chronic, hydroponic shit. And I got really high and cleaned my whole fucking house. So, uh, it's happened, but that's not the norm. <laughs> All right, well, what do you think of the next song, Underneath Everything? Uh, underneath everything, Phil delivers on this one. It's like, you know, kind of like pure later Pantera. The riff is just undeniably kick-ass. Uh, this one flows like a knife across the jugular. You know, it's great melodic twin solos on this one. Underneath everything, fucking rules. I like it, Ian. I always called you Ian. <laughs> oh. Well, we're, we're both beautiful. Motherfucker. <laughs> my country, you bastard. Uh, oh my god, the riff on this just makes you want to fucking break shit. And I love that. And the vocals on this. I, I love how you, you got the whisper shit going on, you got the screaming shit going on, but it all works together with the riff. Uh, underneath everything is above most band shit. God damn it. I love this goddamn song. But then... Holy fuck. We go to Eyes of the South. <laughs> the buildup of all fucking time. Oh my God, is this so good. And uh, I remember when, when this album came out, I was working in a warehouse and uh, have all these conveyor lines that would go into the, it was a Kmart warehouse, all these conveyor lines would go into the trucks that would go out and supply all the Kmart stores and shit. And I would have to watch the lines, make sure nothing got jammed. And if something did get jammed, you had to get there real quick. So they gave you a bike and I'm like way above the warehouse on this like metal grate, but they would give you a bike and I would sit there and just pedal the bike. Like I'm fucking peewee, but I would have this song playing in my headphones. And when it would get to the point to go, God damn, I would always bunny hop the fucking bike, and I broke the tires on that bike. I don't know how many fucking times doing that on the metal grate. Just like, yeah, oh my God. The fucking buildup on this song is godly. The whole fucking song is great. It's in my top three uh, for this fucking album, and that is saying something. Eyes of the South is a goddamn masterpiece. What do you think, Ralph? Well, I'm glad you brought up that book, because that you did say in the original review, I remember. Yeah, yes, because so it's you, true You did not story. forget. You did yeah, not it's forget. A, it's a true story. Uh, yeah, I love the build-up on this one. You know, start with pure 70s vibe. But it is disjointed in parts. You know, you know, what? Me, it's not a standout track to me, dude. Oh, my God. You know, I could take or leave this one. Oh, my you God. Know, but for me, the best part is that mellow middle section. You know, that don't really last too long with the melodic vocals. I love that. But uh, the riffage on this kind of sounds stock and resembles oh. several riffs on oh. the album that were much better. Oh, my God. Sorry. Oh. So sorry, Charlie. Sickening. Well, I'll take the next one, Jail. Right. Uh, I love this track because now they're venturing into Planet Caravan territory. I love that mellow vibe to this. Uh, this is one of the standout tracks for me. Like Eyes of the South was for you. Uh, I just love it because it just takes this total turn and, you know, gives you time to breathe. And it's just a fucking awesome tune. What do you think? 
Oh, I couldn't agree more. To me, this song is perfection. Uh, these are guys that understand drugs and how they work, <laughs> how they make music sound. They also understand Black Sabbath and all the different sounds that Sabbath had to offer. Uh, and they can do something that, that is a Planet Caravan song without being plagiaristic. You know, they can take it kind of as a basis, but... Yeah, unlike Soul Guys, Stop 13. Right. Remember, remember that bullshit Black Sabbath did? Right. That was blatant and poor. Right. should have did jail. Right, exactly. That would have been more original. Yeah, <laughs> uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, this is really, uh, again, I can't stress enough, this is something you got to feel to be able to play this and, and, and to write it. I mean, they, you can tell that Black Sabbath means to them what it means to us and what it means to the hardcores, you know, that, that you understand all the little different nuances of, of Black Sabbath. And, you know, they're not just paranoid. They're not just war pigs. You know, they're, they're Solitude. They're Laguna Sunrise. You know, they're Planet Caravan. Under the sun! Yes. Uh, you know, and, and this comes from that school... But, but like I said, they, they add their own little thing and they make it interesting. And, and it is, it is a nice breather from the heaviness of this gives it a, gives it a decent flow and, and, and takes you to another level. And that's important in album rock. Uh, something kids today know nothing about. Well, not all kids, but I'm saying most, like I, I work with a lot of people, even the ones who listen to music and, and it doesn't matter what type of music they listen to. They're singles people. They're not album people. I'm an album person, you know. When I put, you know, I almost never put a single song on my phone. I put albums. Uh, you know, but this is the kind of shit that glues everything together and, and, and makes an album an enjoyable experience that has, you know, peaks and valleys and shit like that. And God damn Jail is just fucking amazing. It sure is, Ian. And then we go into the next song, Losing All. Oh, I've been there. <laughs> In fact, I think my mail's still getting delivered there. Oh, my God, do I love this fucking song. Great riff, great fucking drumming. Uh, again, it, it's not something new on the album, but it's delivering it in an awesome fucking way, and it just keeps up with the flow and gives gives this album a, a cohesiveness. You know, the, the, it, this album definitely has a fucking sound, even though it goes to different places. Uh, you know, this I, I love that. You know, after a song like Jail, you get back to losing all, which kicks you right in the fucking gut again. Gives you those great fucking riffs, great fucking vocals. I think it's a great track. What do you think? Well, it's not as disjointed as Eyes of the South. It's more cohesive. I like it, but I, I, I can't say I love it. It's a decent filler track to me. It's, you know, just there for me. But, you know, I do love the main riff, and it does have a great driving, you know, feel. And that's why I'll give this one a pass, uh, losing all. Well, I think it's filler, but it's good, you know. I'm, I'm not saying it's bad. Uh, Stone the Crow is the next one. Yes, you know, sir. Nah, this to me is a fucking killer standout track on the album and a wise choice to make this one the introduction to the band you know it's got a very southern rock and 
you know, feel. And I think this is the best vocal performance by Phil on this album. Musically, I think it's perfect. Uh, it's just a great flow to this one. You know, the mellow verses, the heavy chorus. You know, it's my second favorite track off the album. I love Stone the Crow. It rules. What do you think, Ian? Fucking OMD. And that's not orchestra mo- maneuvers in the dark. Oh my God. That's Oh My Dave. Is this song fucking amazing? Stone the fucking crow, man. Holy shit. This just shows how how much this band can like stretch out, yet still have, have a fucking identity of its own. But, but you know, you see like th- this to me grabs more from like... Uh, you know, Skinner than it does Sabbath, but it fits within the down spectrum. And, 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 oh my God, the fucking lyrics on this are fucking godly. Uh, just amazing. And I never knew until the day I looked it up. I was like, what does Stone the Crow mean? Is that a saying? And, 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 and yes, it actually is a, an old English saying. Some people say it's an English saying. Some people say it's an Australian saying. But it's basically like you know, uh, stone the crow. You got to stop what's killing you. You got to stop what's hurting you. And it's referring to like crows, you know, hurting a harvest or hurting your livestock and shit like that. Uh, basically, you got to stop it. And, and I love they said I never stone the crow, and he's like I never stop what's killing me. But I need to, you know, that, that, you know, when he starts out singing about a bout of deep depression, can't seem to move it forward, lying eyes, lie awake, uh, you know, I mean, just fucking, oh, everything about this song is a masterpiece. This is in my top three, and, uh, you know, you're not going to see a down show without this being played, and, and for damn good reason. Fucking amazing. And then it goes into the instrumental, Pray for Locust. And, and this is a, another one written solely by Anselmo. Uh, he solely wrote uh, Pillars of Eternity and Hail the Leaf. And this one, something he came up with on guitar, absolutely gorgeous. This is Laguna Sunrise for 1995. And, and exactly what this kind of album needs, because there's so much heaviness you need little interludes like this in jail and 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 stuff like that to break it up you know to give you a little bit of breathing room uh but what really what you need in, in in a song like this is you need something that can stand alone you know you know instrumentals are great uh to but to me if they don't stand alone uh you know that they shouldn't be called their own thing you know it should be uh just part of the song you know we've talked about this a million times about instrumental you know it it should be one song it should be broken into two but something like hellion and electric eye you you know you can see why it's broken up and you can see why so many uh black sabbath instrumentals are considered their own songs because they stand up the test of time by themselves it's something you could enjoy by itself and Pray for Locust, to me, is exactly like that. I absolutely love it. What do you think, Ralph? Oh, I love it. Uh, it's uh, like a mix with uh, what Iomi would do with hints of uh, Jimmy Page acoustic pieces. Uh, and, you know, Phil Anselmo's a huge Led Zeppelin fan. 
And uh, I can see the influence of Jimmy Page in this as well. Uh, yeah, it's a beautiful um, instrumental, and I agree. It does stand alone. Uh, it's awesome. I love it. I'll go to the next one. Swan Song. Uh, this one's filler. Uh, it does have a, a good hook, cookie verses, you know, with the band, but the rest is just okay. This album could, you know, benefit cutting the fat off, you know, with, the, you know, some of these tracks. Uh, this would be, you know, one I would uh, have cut off to make it all killer with no filler. You know, this one is, it's filler to me. What do you think? Um... I don't know if I'd go as far as to call it filler. I would probably say my least favorite, but that's like, you know, saying your least favorite on fucking Sabbath Volume 4. You know what I mean? Uh, I, I, I don't, you know, I don't think it's boring. I think it has a great swing to it uh, and a great heaviness, and I love the swing to it because it, it totally has like a Bill Ward-type vibe. Which makes sense because this one has a co-writing credit from Jimmy Bauer, uh, so it, it has that really neat swing. Yeah, it's not as fully flushed out as some of the other songs, but uh, I, I wouldn't lose it. I love it, but it's uh, kind of you know the name doesn't work out right because it's not the swan song. The true swan song is coming up right now, and holy fuck. Uh, uh, the only word for this is fucking epic. Bury me in smoke. Uh, fucking A. Truer words I don't know if I ever heard, man. That's how I want to fucking go out. I love it lyrically. I love it musically. It, it, it's, it's dirgy. It's doomy. It's fucking heavy. And it is one of the most perfect album closers of all time. Not just the 90s. But of all time, you want to know how to fucking end a fucking album? Bury me in fucking smoke. Good God damn. What do you think of this one, Ralph? Oh, yeah. Great way to end it with a total highlight track, which is uh, uh, bookended uh, with uh, Temptations Wing is my favorite track. Uh, I can't pick which one I like more. So it starts and ends with my favorite track, Tide. Uh, this one is well thought out i love the vocal delivery under that crunchy riffage the melodic bridge you know i would call this track a fucking masterpiece the masterpiece on the album it's perfect and a great way to end this album it's a song that is worth the wait uh you know it's placed correctly on the album and i absolutely love buried in smoke my favorite track off the album tied with temptation ring how do you like those apples uh i'll take a bite of that fucking apple God damn, do I love this album. Well, that is our review of uh, Downs Nola, released September 19th, 1995, and I don't know if this went gold. Uh, it's a damn shame. Uh, its highest charting position was 57, so probably not. Uh, Stone the Crow went to number 40 on the mainstream rock tracks, which, you know, we, as, you know, we talked about earlier in the news. Uh, don't mean a whole hell of a lot. Uh, it didn't get a lot of exposure, but it was very big in the underground. I, I think you would agree, Ralph, that a lot of people were talking about this album. Oh, yeah, and, and it got a really good following. And look, it, 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 it's pretty much Phil's main band now, you know. Uh, you know, I saw it down many times. I saw oh, yeah. it on the, on the Motorhead crew. I saw him headline the Colts room many times. Um, uh, it, it, they're a very well-respected band. 
So it may have not got the the sale, but it got the fan base. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, and it's definitely got the respect. And uh, you know, most people. You know, well, I think almost all people agree it's it's the best down album. Yeah. Uh, even though uh, I mean I, I love all their shit, but uh, this one you know stands high and above the rest. Uh, so there you go. All right. Well, now it's time to go into pick of the week. Ralph, you got a pick of the week? Why do you always ask me when you know I'm not ready? Well, sometimes you are. Sometimes you're not. Yeah, this week I am. I have one. All right. Well, then go. Quit your uh, pick. My uh, pick of the week is Corrosion of Conformity's Deliverance. Nice. Uh, I love that. Man, I'll never forget when I saw Albatross. That video. Oh, uh, great song. Go, uh, Headbanners Balls go around. And I was like, whoa. Because I own... Um, uh, animosity, which you know, is like nothing like this, you know, because right. they were the more uh, hardcore band. And uh, I was like, whoa! So I went out and bought this album, and that opening track, "Heaven's Not Overflowing," and uh, I love "Clean My Wounds" because "Clean My Wounds" is kind of like the '90s version of "Waiting for an Alibi" from Thin Lizzy. It's got the same hook, and you know, it's just such a badass song. And 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 the title track. Uh, this is a great fucking album. Corrosion of Conformity's Deliverance is my pick of the week. Awesome. Well, I'm keeping it with uh, with this band, and I, I think I've picked this before as my pick of the week, but you know what? You never know. Uh, somebody might not have listened and not got it. But uh, I'm going to go with an album that I think is, is very, very underrated, and that is the second Down album, Down to a Bustle in My Hedgerow. Um... Uh, and a lot of people consider this a step down. I don't think it's fair. I, I think what happened is with this album is, you know, Nola starts out with Temptation's Wing. Like, you know, one of the best songs on the fucking album. Down 2 opens up with our surgeon, uh Funeral Procession, which in my opinion is like the worst song on the album. So like right away, it doesn't grab you like the first album does, but... I mean, to me, there are so many gems on this fucking album. Yeah. Stained Class Cross, Ghost Along the Mississippi, Learn From My Mistakes, Beautifully Depressed, Where I'm Going, New Orleans is a Dying Whore, uh, Lies, Fucking Dog Tired, Landing on, yeah, uh, Landing on the Mountains of Megiddo. I mean, I mean, there are so many fucking awesome tracks on this album. I, I just think they picked the wrong fucking opener. I, I, I think a lot of people misjudged it by that. And and, and and then the second one, there's something on my side's an all right track, but it just doesn't kick off with that fucking Mr. Boombastic shit that, that Nola did. But th there were so many amazing fucking songs on it. And and it, it does, it bothers me that, that it doesn't get the respect that, it, in my opinion, it deserves. Uh, first time I saw him was on this tour. First time I met the guys was on this tour. Uh, absolutely an amazing album. And, and, and I, I hold it kind of neck and neck with Nola. I'll take Nola, you know, a, a, a notch above, but not by much, man. I really love Down 2. And uh, more people need to check that out, man. Need to hear that shit. That is my pick of the week. Down 2, a bustle in your hedgerow. They got a great live album too, uh, Diver Madman. Oh yeah, yeah, live album with a DVD yeah, documentary. Yeah, 
That's some awesome shit. All right. Well, now it's time to go into fan of the week. And uh, fan of the week mentioned earlier, guy that's been around since the beginning, Eric Cinnamon. Uh, when we did our first year pledging, we did the uh, Doors LA Woman episode for him. And Eric is so fucking cool. And Eric and I are from the same town. Uh, Eric's a few years older than me. I, I didn't know him back in the day, but it's funny how shit works out. Turns out I was in love with his sister, who was a year older than me. And uh, my dream in high school was to be his brother-in-law. <laughs> that didn't work out. But uh, but Eric discovered the show through another, uh, uh, you know, a friend of mine that I, that I did hang out with in high school. And he's been listening since the fucking beginning. And when I went home uh, earlier this year, uh, went over to Eric's house, hung out with him. We had so much fun, man. He gave me amazing gifts. And we went out, out to lunch together and just had a great fucking time. And uh, <laughs> just a really cool dude. And there's a great video, if you go through the archives of the Facebook page, uh, hanging out in his garage. And I'm looking through, he's got all his old cassette tapes. And I was like, ah, oh, cool, man. I'm looking at all the fucking cassette tapes. And I, and I find a Sammy Hagar solo album. I forget which one it was. But it was like one of like the old, like obscure ones. And I was like, what the fuck is this shit? He goes, get the camera going on. And he stomped on it and smashed the shit off and demolished it right before my eyes. I was like, yes! Yes! And, and Eric, man, I love you, brother. I had such a goddamn good day with you, man. And I appreciate uh, you know, not only your listenership, but your friendship and, uh, and having me over at your home, man. I mean, that shit means a lot. And, you know, and us going out and being able to, you know, to have lunch and spend the day together. It was a day I will never fucking forget and, uh, appreciate you brother so fucking much. And thank you for having patience because this is one of the first episodes we recorded, uh, you know, but, uh, unfortunately we lost it, but you know, we still came through. And I hope you enjoy this one, brother, man. Thank you for everything. Yeah, thanks, bro. Great album. Hell yeah. All right. Well, now it's time to get back to the plugs. Hi, I'm Dr. Fuck, and I want to tell you about Miami Metal Merchant, where you can get your albums for good, decent prices. That's www.miamimetalmerchant.com. Check it out. Greetings, Troubled Nation, and welcome to the Troubled Men Podcast. I'm Renee Komen, and every week I sit down with my co-host Manny Chevrolet in New Orleans' notorious ring room to discuss good times and air grievances over cocktails. You're no, here. I'm here for the free drinks. I'm here for the free drinks. <laughs> yes. We are the troubled men for troubled times. Uh, yeah, it was all right. Those poppers worked. <laughs> this is the Troubled Men Podcast. Join us, won't you? Yeah, come for the oysters. Stay for the white privilege. Find us on Apple Podcasts and all social media. Listen to The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Go to all the W's, Gully, G-U-L-L-Y-A-N-D-J-O-A dot U-K. 8 p.m. U.K. time, 3 p.m. Eastern. The Rock Show with Gully and Joe. Listen to it. Don't be a cunt. Hello, folks. This is The Rock Sponge, Terrence Reardon of the Terrence Reardon and Friends podcast. Join yours truly every week as I look at a different classic rock and or metal album that had an impact on my life and or rock music in general. And I'm usually joined by a friend or two. And there's no country or rap or techno bullshit on the show because I hate those fucking music genres. Techno and rap and country sucks. 
So if you want a kick-ass rock and roll podcast, check out the Terrence Reardon and Friends podcast every week on YouTube and now on Podbean and iTunes. So yes, folks, I'm available in two different, three different ways. Podbean and iTunes for the audio and YouTube for the visual. Thank you very much. Tired of your long commute and boring work day? Well, join Brian Davis and his gang of movie buffs as they talk about a different movie subject every week on Damn Good Movie Memories. We discuss movie themes like our favorite movie villains, favorite soundtracks, and worst movie remakes, and much more. Check us out on iTunes and Podbean at damngoodmoviememories.podbean.com. From New York. Hey, 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 hey! What up, bangers? From North Carolina! Skater Pal Meow Meow. This is Bushy. And the Mountain. Tune in every week for your listening pleasure only on the plug with Bushy and the Mountain Man. You can find us on Podbean and iTunes. Thank you very much! Hey everybody, I'm Aaron. And I'm Chris. And we're from the Decibel Geek Podcast. And if you love this... Then you'll love us. That's right. Brand new episode every single Monday. You can find us on iTunes and at DecibelGeek.com. And the best thing is, it's rock and roll and it's always free. This is Ian Wadley, Wadzilla from Wadzilla's World. Do you want to hear the greatest, most eclectic show on the internet? Show up for the best in hard rock, heavy metal, classic rock, funk, soul, and anything else I deem necessary. Wadzilla World, only on Cranium Radio, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time to 3 p.m. Central Standard Time. Be here or be a bitch. Hey there, it's Dr. Fuck giving you the Dr. Fuck Show ID. That's right. The Dr. Fuck Show. Aaron here every Thursday night at 8 p.m. Eastern Time. Come in and join the chat room. It's always a great, crazy time. That's right. I've been doing this for years on that metal station. And you will love it. Nobody hates the Dr. Fuck Show. And what I mean by that is if you hate the Dr. Fuck Show, you're a nobody. All right. Well, if you enjoyed this classic album, come back next week when it is yet another fan-picked episode. Uh, Will it be this album or will it be that album? I don't know, but it's something you guys fucking paid for, so you're going to like it. But you all need to fucking listen to it. That's next week on the Rock and Metal Combat Podcast. Babuglia. <laughs> Bugalard. Natalie Babuglia. <laughs>